Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifted you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. The things that you're thankful for. I think it's very important in this fast-paced life and society and culture that we live in for us to sit back and just be thankful. Be thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what is God continues to do in our life. Because I know this, a thankful heart is a full heart. A thankful heart, full heart. How about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God Christ Jesus for you. How about Psalms chapter 9, verse 1? I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart, with my whole heart, I will recount of the wonderful deeds, of his wonderful deeds. Sometimes it's good just to just stop. And this is what thanks even does for me. It just makes me just stop before the craziness of the, of the Christmas season, just to stop and just look back on my year. And those times where I felt God was far away, but he was really close. Those times when I didn't have the answers to the situations that were in my life. But looking back now, I can be so thankful that he didn't put me in that season that I wanted to be in. He didn't put me with that, that relation, that, that person that I thought was a benefit for my life. But in reality, he, he, I'm so thankful that he knows my end to, to my beginning, that he is the alpha, he is the omega, that he knows it all. Isn't it great to, have, to be so thankful and to breathe for a minute to say, God, you're still in control? It's so amazing. This is what Thanksgiving does for me. Is a full heart. It makes me have a full heart. But do you understand that Thanksgiving is not just a time on a moment in the calendar? It has to be a lifestyle. It has to be a lifestyle. If Thanksgiving, you know you can be thankful in March. <laughs> you can be thankful in, in, the, in the summer season. So some parents are like, I have to work. My kids are out of school. How can I be thankful for that? Try. All right? It, 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 it's crazy. We can be thankful other months besides the month of November. But here we want to understand this, that one of the greatest things I love about Thanksgivings is, is the meal to come. I'm Puerto Rican. All right? If you haven't noticed, I'm Puerto Rican and we, we feast, we go down on Thanksgiving. I mean, we don't play, you know, some people have the green beans and everything. We have the rice and beans. I mean, we're ready to go. We're ready to throw down on Thanksgiving. I have to do a two week fast before Thanksgiving to pray to what I'm about to indulge in. Okay. I remember, uh, when I, when, first years of, of me and Jess dating uh, my wife, um, uh, I'm Puerto Rican. My wife is Caucasian. She white, okay? She white. And I remember the first year I was there with them, um, uh, I, I, one thing I love about Thanksgiving is leftovers. Leftovers. I'm not a leftovers kind of person, but I'll take some Thanksgiving leftovers because you can eat those things for a couple weeks, okay? Uh, for a couple weeks. Uh, for me, a week, okay? For me, a week. But I remember we were, I was, I, the first time I was going to Jess's Thanksgiving to her, I was nervous and everything like that. And we came to the end of the, the day um, everybody ate, the pie is half gone, and then as you know those moments, it's called the leftover moments, you know? Out of nowhere, her mom started bringing some to-go boxes out. I mean, super fancy. I'm like, wow, 
you are fancy, okay? You are fancy because us Puerto Ricans, we don't care about, you get aluminum foil, you get a bag, you get a purse, you don't care. You're throwing some mashed potatoes in that thing, you don't care what happens. You just, you're taking the leftovers, okay? Uh, it's all about the leftovers. I was like, dang, you're fancy. You got the to-go boxes? We got aluminum foil. Or if you're really fancy, you got the plate, and then you got to put the plate on top of the plate. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, I, I remember this as well. It, it, I I love leftovers. All right, you 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 invite you invite one one a Puerto Rican my people to a wedding. Okay, you, you like you like them. They love leftovers. You know what? Because if you want that centerpiece in your, they're gonna take the centerpiece, and it's gonna be a decoration in their house because we love leftovers. We love leftovers. The decoration is for me. I came to your party. I'm taking the centerpiece. You know what I'm talking about. But leftovers are so good. I love leftovers when it comes to the uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving meal because you can you know the chef did great when there's stuff to take when you leave. And leftovers in the month of November, we're going to talk about a, a very familiar miracle that Jesus did while he was doing his ministry. We're going to go the next three weeks really discovering the truth and hopefully new revelation about a little boy and his lunch that turned into a feast. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 1 through 14 to give a little bit of context of what we're going to be learning about. This, this month, in the next three weeks, we're going to really dissect this whole miracle and see some new revelations that God is speaking through us as we live in the life of the leftovers, the leftovers. Let's, let's, let's go right here. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, 5, since, since, since time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because he saw, they, they saw signs that he was performing and healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. <clears throat> the Jewish feet, uh, Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these to eat? He asked this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread, and in this time, it'll take a year wages, inflation, okay, um, to, to, to buy bread for everyone to, bite, to, to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter, and brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have these people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to, to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did this to the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, everybody say, all had enough. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. 
Let nothing be wasted. Then they, so they gathered, gathered and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves and left over by those who had eaten. And the people saw the signs Jesus, Jesus performed and they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is kind of what we're going to be discussing this month as we talk about leftovers. I was reading a book called The 52 Weeks with Jesus. The author, James Merritt, breaks down this concept that he talks about. It's called the law of the leftover. The law of the leftovers. And he came through the Bible with, with one of the wisest men in the Bible, which was Solomon. He talked about this law um, through the Proverbs of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, where it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer, Another withholds what he gives and only suffers what? See, there's this concept of the leftover, the abundance, the, the, the abundance that we're supposed to live in. See, the reality is God has called each and every one of us to live in the abundance, but we also have to learn how to give in the abundance. Give the in, the in the abundance. According to the law of leftovers, when I bless others, I receive the greatest blessing, and yet that blessing becomes a pour over, a leftover to keep on blessing, to keep on being a blessing. Here in this passage, um, we see three main points that we're going to be talking about, three main ideas that we're going to be talking about through the whole month of November. The first main idea is this. Jesus asked for what you have. Jesus asked for what you have. You go to verse five, it says this. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread to, to feed these people? And he asked them to test him to see what he would do, was going to do. Have you ever noticed, we all, we, if you've been to church circles for a long time, you, you pretty much heard some of these, um, these verses, this miracle being preached. But do you understand there was a conversation before the miracle? There was a conversation with a disciple called Philip that we don't really preach about that much because it kind of just there, it passes over, and let's get to the good stuff. We, we love to get to the, the best parts of the movie, uh, and we don't like to get through the, the bad stuff. We don't like to go through the boring stuff. Let's just get me to the good stuff. Let's just get me to go. But the conversation before the miracle happened is so important for us to understand because it's for our life as well. One of the most famous miracles, this miracle is the only miracle that is, that is presented in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it starts with two questions. This main idea started with two questions. The first question is this, what is the need? What is the need? So it said Jesus himself, it said he looked up and from afar, he starts seeing the crowd gather. He said he looked up he was, uh, he was probably facing down or facing behind him, but when he actually looked at the need, he had an understanding of how to fulfill it. See, we can't live our life as believers of Christ with our eyes closed to people that are in need. It said Jesus himself, the Messiah, had to get his gaze on the people that are in need for then for him to fulfill it. But if we're living our life always in our problems, always in our temptations, in our situations, in our calendars, in our hurts, we are never going to be while Jesus was, was he was a need filler, a need filler. 
He had to be intentional. Jesus himself had to be intentional to open his eyes to the people around him. For far too long as believers of Christ, we have closed our eyes to the people in need and in reality, we hoard the grace of God. And if God has saved you, if God has showed grace in your life, if God has given you a hope of forgiveness and God has given you a peace past your understanding because you have Jesus in your life now, is our job to give that to other people, to show that to other people. See, we see the disciples here, Philip, having a little discussion with Jesus. He's saying this. He's saying, hey, Jesus asked him, hey, what are we going to do about this? What is the need? Jesus had to open his eyes to this. We can't be hoarders of the, the promises of God for ourselves. We have to open our eyes and see how can it be a blessing. I love when people, uh, one, of our people one of our guys at our church, um, his name's Travis, and he has this whole YouTube and, and this whole Instagram thing that all he does is just go bless people. I mean, just blesses people with money, resources, whatever he can. But in doing that, you have to be aware of your surroundings. See, there's people around you each and every day that are never going to come to you and be like, hey, I need help. You have to be the person to fulfill that need. And some people look at needs as a monetary thing. See, people look at a need and be like, hey, I can't buy this person the car they need. I can't um, fulfill that student load that they need. We put the needs as a monetary thing, but in reality, some people, what they need is just your time for a minute. It's just for you to notice them, to fulfill that need. See, we are all, if we have hope in Christ and we found salvation in Christ, we, who, those who are saved are assigned to be need fillers. Mark chapter 16, verse um, 15 says, and he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation, to all creation. We have to take this seriously. We have to open our eyes to the people that are around us that we work with. Instead of cursing them, why don't we love on them? Instead of talking bad about that boss, even though they might have done something bad for you, but us being need fillers, we're saying, hey, I'm going to do this thing a little differently. When others are talking, I'm going to be the one to encourage. When others are, are talking bad or, or talking like this certain way, hey, I'm going to be a little different because we have to have people that are different so then things can change. We have to be the need fillers in our life. Need is usually attached to money, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It, it's not always a huge grand gesture. To be a need filler is for us to say, hey, we are showing up and we are going to be present in people's life. How about this? The woman at the well. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, I have money. You're probably not. You're probably poor. Here's some money. Go, go take care of yourself. What did he do? He had a conversation with her. There was nothing attached to finances. It was all attached to the person on the inside. And Jesus saw the need and said, hey, you're looking for water, but what I have, it will quench that thirst that you have. It was more than water. It was the person's soul. It was noticing them, noticing her. And what happened when Jesus noticed her, when Jesus noticed her, what happened to the lady at the well? She dropped what she came with and told everybody about Jesus. Because when people feel like somebody cares about them, 
it changes something on the inside of them. And what hope does is when you're filled with hope, there's no other option but to give that hope to somebody else. And it becomes something that God wants us to be. It's called the kingdom of God. How about the man that was in the mat and his, and his friends brought him to Jesus? It, it, Jesus didn't say, hey, it's a bad situation. What bill do you want me to pay? No, he said, hey, by your faith, you are healed. Go and walk. It was Jesus looking up. Yeah, the roof was being tore apart. But Jesus took the intentional moments with the person to fill the need. How about the guy at the, at the pool that he was trying to reach for his healing and trying to, everybody was stepping over him and Jesus looked at him and said, hey, what do you need? Read the, read the word. What do you mean, Jesus, what I need? I can't walk. He wanted the person to be real with what he was dealing with so then Jesus can fulfill that need. See, it was intentional conversations with people. We have to be available to be a blessing to people. Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, what is the need that needs to happen and what can we do about it? Let's be a church of people to open our eyes to the needs around for us to give, to be joy givers, to be hope givers, to be peace givers, because we are called to be the body of Christ. Let's not be talking about it. Let's put some action behind it as well. Let's put some action behind it as well. Jesus said, what is the need. Here's the, here's the second thing that Jesus asked in this moment. Not what is the need. He also asked, said, what can we do? What can we do? Let, let's read it here in verse five. When Jesus looked up at the crowd, he saw, and then he had, then he had the conversation with, with Philip, and he asked him this. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that crazy? Like, Jesus, why are you asking me? You know what to do. You're Jesus. What if Jesus asked you for your advice of the promise that you're asking for? I mean, this is what he did. He said, Philip, I know what to do. I have the resources. Like, I can go like that. And, and, and Jesus already knew what was going to happen. He knew the boy was in the crowd. He knew it was going to be fish. He knew it was going to be bread. But he asked Philip, hey, what do you think? If you, he said this, if you were in my shoes, Philip, what would you do? What would you do? I love this conversation, this moment with Philip and, and his recorded, this recorded miracle. He asked, is the only miracle that Jesus ever asked somebody for their advice. This is the only recorded miracle in the whole Gospels that this is the first time that Jesus said, hey, what do you think? What if Jesus asked your advice? Because he said he was testing Philip to see where he stood on it. He was testing his faith. Because Philip, in the natural, he's like, got his spiritual calculator out. He's like, one, two, three, four, two, round it up. It takes like half a wage, Jesus. We can't happen. So what he was testing was his faith. Jesus knew that the miracle was going to come out of less, but Philip only thought about what I can do more to fulfill it. See, Jesus has the tendency to take things that seem less and turn it into more. He had the tendency to take things that we seem dumb and turn it into a miracle. 
He had things that takes a, a person like me that don't have all the things and, and turns it into something great. He can do it to your life as well. So whatever you see in your life as lack, God can really turn it into many. See, he was testing Philip's, he was telling, testing Philip's faith in this moment. The test of this faith was, was not to demean, not to demean Philip, but was to say, hey, I need your faith to be bigger. I need your faith to be wider for what I want to do in this place. See, sometimes we have so little faith, but we serve a big God. We put God in a box because in our physical minds, two loaves and fish can't feed 5,000. But in the hands of God, it can do many. See, we need to know that God is on our side and he is a faithful God and he is there to provide, but we need to make sure he is the one providing. Because whenever we decide that it can't happen and our faith goes down, what do we do as humans try to do all the time? We try to fulfill it. And usually what happens when we do that? We mess it up. Philip, what do you think? What do you think? needs to happen. And you see when, when Jesus, when Philip answered Jesus, Jesus wasn't like, hey, dummy, that's stupid. <laughs> Wrong answer, you failed the test. No, he said, hey, we can do more. More can be done. Because Philip was trying to fulfill it in his physical need, and the provider was sitting right there. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me help you in your life. Jesus is not far away from you. He is close. Sometimes we feel like God is like all the way then. Yes, our circumstance get in the way and we feel so disconnected. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is there and he is for you. And the provision that you need, yeah, you can't fulfill it within your physical, um, your physical um, self. But I'm here to tell you that he is right there to fulfill that need. If you be obedient to him and you trust him in this, in this, in this matter. What if Jesus asked your advice about the provision you want in your life? I know I would say, hey, you know that million dollars I want? <laughs> I didn't play the lotto yesterday. Didn't win. I, I would tell Jesus how to do it. Hey, I, I need you to get me in front of this person to get this thing, to get this thing. I, I, he, I would, it wouldn't be advice. I would tell Jesus what to do. You know why Jesus doesn't, God doesn't tell us like the full scenario? It's because we will do it on our own power. And most of the time, it won't work. <laughs> but when Jesus asked him, he said, hey, I see what you're talking about, but there is so much more to this. There's so much from Philip that you can learn. There's so much more you're looking at. It's at such a mustard seed faith. Yes, and you need that, but I want to give you a huge miracle, not only feed 5,000, but to have leftovers to take home. What if God is providing, is, is, is setting up a miracle for you, not to only provide now, but provide for generations and generations and generations to come. When we are faithful to him and we have faith in him, he can do that in our life. Jesus said this, and I love this. In verse seven says, Jesus, and Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one of these people to have a, What's that word? He says, a bite. I don't know about you. 
at Thanksgiving, I ain't having a bite. <laughs> There's no bite happening right here. It's not like, mm, I'm full. No, I'm full and I need to eat more. <laughs> in a normal day, we don't eat desserts. But something happens in our bodies on Thanksgiving. It's like a superpower where we have feasted and out of nowhere, it's like, mm, I need four pies. You know what I'm talking about? On a normal day, you're like, oh, I'm full. And the people at the restaurant are like, hey, do you want dessert? Mm, no, I'm good. Thanksgiving's like pumpkin pie, apple pie, all of the pies, you know? There's something happens. But here's the thing. This is where, this is where Philip's faith was. He's like, even when I calculate this, God, even when I put my, 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 my brain to it, it would take just a, a half a year for each person to get a bite. Jesus was thinking a feast while Philip was only thinking about a bite. We put God in a box and we say, God, you can only give us a bite when he wants to give us the abundance. God, I'm going to put you here. I only have faith for a bite. But God wants to say, hey, no, 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 no. If you put your trust in me, I can take that bite and make sure you see that that not only you're going to have more than enough, you're going to have more than enough to give it to this person and to give it to this person and to give it to this person. It's called an overflow. It's called a leftover because God doesn't want us to just have a bite. God wants to live the work in us in the overflow. And when we're in the overflow, then we can be a blessing to others and that person can be a blessing to others. That's the kingdom of God mentality. That's the kingdom of God mentality. And I, I love this. He said, hey, it's only a bite that, I, that they can have. Another of his disciples, when Andrew and Simon and Peter, they came up, they said to him, there's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How, but how far Will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. This is good stuff right here. I, I love this. This is like one of those drop the mic moments where Jesus becomes like a gangster real fast, okay? Because these people are like, hey, it's so small. It's a bite. Oh, did we only have five? Excuses, excuses. We only have five loaves and two fishes. Oh, God, I only got this and got this. And we become, we throw excuses to God. And this is what God says. He said, hey, guess what? Uh, sit down. He says, hey, hey, I hear you. Sit down. What do you mean, God? I have to perform. I got to do more. I got to do this. No, 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 no. Sit down. I love this about God. He, he, he knows what we need in the season we're in. He, he knows what we need. Because in, in my mind, I'd be like, okay, we have 5,000 people. So if three people go this way, people three people go this way, they can get food. They can get food. And we, that's logic, right? It's like, hey, let's work together. Teamwork. But God said, hey, to feed these people, you need to sit down. Don't move. Don't move. Sitting down is a vulnerable position. We don't like to be in vulnerable position. Alex, come here. Hurry up, Alex. Okay. Come here, stand here. Stand, come in front so we can get in the camera. All right. If Alex is here, 
and I'm coming to attack him, okay? And he's standing up. He can stop me. He can stop me. Because he's ready. He's ready. Sit down. Fuck over here, Jeff. Just kicked him right there. He is defenseless, vulnerable to what's happening around him. And in the body, when God wants to give us a miracle, he wants us to be in this state. Vulnerable to him. Reliant on him. Yeah, there might be people to come around, but when we are vulnerable to him, he's telling us, hey, it, this, this miracle that you need, it ain't going to be by your power. This miracle that you need is not going to be by your might. This miracle that you need. So I need you to sit down. I need your pride to sit down. I need your will to sit down. I need your resources to sit down for a minute because what I have for you is greater than what you can do. What I have for you is greater than what in your mind you want to bite. I'm going to give you a feast, but I need you to sit down. I need you to sit down because it's not by your will. It's about mine. Get up for Alex. Get up here. Get out of here. It's a vulnerable position, and we don't like to be vulnerable. It's a dependent stance, and we don't like to be dependent. We like to do it our own way. It's a resting position. What does the Bible say? Hey, be still and know that I am God. Our society, our culture tells us to strive, to strive. And I'm not saying to be lazy, but in the midst of striving, there's going to be times where you have to sit down and let God be God. You got to sit down and let God make a way. You got to sit down and put your pride aside and say, hey, I cannot perform for God right now. I cannot perform for my family right now. I cannot perform for my God. Have you ever been in a position in your prayer life where it's like, God, There's no words. But he can take that and make it into a miracle. There's some of us that came into this room today that this is all you got. I tried. I failed. Can we be real today? I don't know. It's you being completely vulnerable. Say, God, I need you. See, there's been times in my prayer life, and I'm a pastor, where there's no scripture that I can say. There's no tongues that I can tongue up. There's no podcast that I can listen to. All I got to be is just sitting in his presence. God, this is me. Broken. This is me. Surrendering. God, have your will. Have your way. And in this position, in this stance, God can say, you know what? I can take that heart. I can take that life and make it into a miracle. We need to trust that he can do more with less if we sit down. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I don't know if we feel God's in this place. Come on, let's honor him just for a minute. God, thank you. 
There's some people that came in broken in this place. There's some people that came needing something. I'm here to tell you the provider's right next to you. He is there. He is there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Now lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You know what the greatest flex in life is? Is when you say, God, I trust you fully. I trust you fully. He just asks you this morning, what do you have that I can use? What are you willing to spare that I can use? Philip had the courage and the faith to say, God's will is better than my calculations. Sometimes you can overcalculate and not even be in the presence of God. Sit down. Put your spiritual calculator away and know God is still God. God is still the provider. God is still a banner over me. God is still the God that loves. God is still the God. Guess what? Jesus is still the Jesus that died on the cross for you. Doesn't matter what society says. Doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't change the stance of the creator. It doesn't change who the Messiah is. He is still a working God. And sometimes for the moment of breakthrough, we need to realize what we have is what we have is not enough, but he's enough. You can't have breakthrough and have control in the same moment. Let me say that again. We all break through. Break every chain. Break every chain. You can't have breakthrough and, and control at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. Breakthrough means surrender. Breakthrough means whatever I can think of to calculate, I put it at your feet. It's not when Philip put his spiritual calculator away then he can open his eyes to see the provider was near and the provider can provide. If it's not when, when Philip said, hey, I can't do this on my own. I, I need God. And some of us have been in religion for far too long and we, we, we put an idol on religion and we don't even know who God is anymore. Because there's no spiritual thing that you can throw it. There's no worship song you can throw it, which all those are great. Those are resources. But when you need Jesus, there's no song sometimes that's going to help me. There, there's no, I need the creator. I need the savior. I, need, I don't need a concept of him. I need him in my life because I know he's not a concept. He is real. He is active in my life. And I know that this lack that I have, he can turn it into a miracle. And the middle between your lack and your miracle is your will. The thing that's in the middle of what God can do with your life to a miracle is your surrender. And God is saying, will you surrender it today? Stop giving excuses of how, when, how it's going to happen, but trust him. But God, I can't get over this sin. Uh, this, this sin. He can. He can do. You can do it in him. Oh, I can't forgive. Oh, yes, you can. You can do it in him. 
I can't, be, I can't keep living this way. Oh, yes, you, he, he, you can do it through him. Oh, my marriage can't survive. Yes, it can through him. You got to understand that you are, you, are, you are in Jesus. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, you don't have enough the resources. Yeah, you don't have enough of the, the, the brain power. No, yes, you can. But when you have him on your side, when you have him on your corner, when you have him, he can make a miracle out of something that doesn't seem a miracle and turn it into a miracle because it's his glory that we, we follow. It's his kingdom that we follow. It's not mine. You can't have breakthrough and control at the same time. And to live life in the abundance and to live in the leftovers, we first got to say, God, here I am. Here's my need. Here's my resources. And let him fulfill it in your life. Let him fulfill it in your life. God. God is working in this place. Come on, let's just be obedient to his word. Holy Spirit, you're, you're welcome to wreck us right now. Have your way. God, I ask that you break those areas in our life that we can't, that we have control over, God. God, we pray right now for your people. We pray right now that in the midst of life, when we don't have the answers, we don't have the abilities, but God, you do. We don't know the way. We don't know the outcome, but you do. We don't know how it's going to start. We don't know how it's going to end, but you do. And if we have faith enough to know that you can take our two fishes and a couple pieces of bread and live in the overflow, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. And we stand on that promise, God. There we head bowed every other. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.